Welcome to 10 Meaningful Minutes. My name's Lori Lacombe, and thanks for joining us today. I am here with Aaron Reagan. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Lori. You brought How a friend. How are you doing today? today? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. You're great. Stoked to be doing the show. Today, I am honored to present Jennifer Gottschuk. She is an accomplished author and writer. As a parent, I have a son who loves to read. He also has an interest in writing. This is why Jennifer's here today, is to talk to parents about how to encourage your kids to write, how to help them to have a love of not only reading, but uh, expressing their own creative impulses. So uh, thank you for being here, Jennifer. It's my pleasure to be here, I'm thrilled. This is so important. This the writing is challenging for kids. I have, I have five kids myself, and watching them grow as writers, it doesn't. It's difficult. It's challenging. It. What do you feel that developing writers really need, Jennifer? Thank you so much for asking that question because it's what I think about pretty much every day. <laughs> um, so. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about a teacher I was working with and I was well down the road into this work. Um, this is a sixth grade teacher in our in our district and I'm doing a demo lesson. So what I do, which, which is, and I'm, it's going to make everyone jealous because my job is so cool, is what I do is I go in and I partner with the teacher and I say, okay, cool. I can teach your kids all these things. And I offer like a Google form and I'm like, tell them, you know, tell me what they want to learn. And then I'll come in and meet them and do a demo lesson and we'll see how it goes. So I'm doing an intro lesson, kind of teaching the way I teach, which is super visual with lots of pop culture references and lots of little bits and pieces of fun writing that feels like play. And the teacher and I get done and we, I think her students go to specials, we debrief and, and she's like, wait a second, this is how I teach reading. And I was like, tell me more. And she said, well, I want all my students to be lifelong readers. So I give them all these choices. And I, I, I want to make sure that they know all the things that are possible to read and all the things that reading does. But I've never one time thought about teaching writing like that. And I was like, that is the only way I know to teach writing is to do tons of invitations, tons of let's try it, tons of, I wonder how the author did that. And that conversation led me to a place where we have to start Thinking, like you said, Erin, when you have a really great reader, there's you can admire reading for the sake of its art, right? Like you would admire, um, you know, paintings in a museum and the way you might admire music at a concert. But people learn how to paint by approximating what great painters did. And people learn how to play musical instruments by approximating both the skills and the techniques of what great musicians do. But we need to do that as writers. And we, we rarely give kids that permission to just play around and be silly and, and try the things that they really admire. Um, so, so I think the number one thing developing writers need is a sense of freedom and a sense of play connected to their natural inclination to tell stories. One of my favorite things about one of the curricula we use here in the district is that it starts very young, like kindergarten, first grade with this idea that we are making books. And it asks kids, well, what do you know about? And it's really pretty funny when you ask kids what they know about, um, because you may not get things that are always 100% okay for school. Like one of my friends has a story about asking a kindergarten student that, and she was like, well, I know how to give my cat medicine. <laughs> um, and, and then she drew mostly pictures, but like with invented spelling, but she was really, for her, that was a very relevant thing to write down. Cause not everybody obviously knows how to give her cat medicine. 
But there's other people who are like, my life is boring. I don't really want to write about anything. I want to write about, you know, dinosaurs. Well, I was teaching this fourth grade classroom a couple of years ago about fan fiction. And this little boy said, okay, you know that movie, that hockey movie? I'm going to write about that, but with dinosaurs. And I was like, yes, yes, that is the story I want to read. And then I was in a different classroom and the little girl came up to me and she said, I, I want to write Lady and the Tramp, but with pigs. And I was like, do the pigs die? And she said, no. And I was like, perfect. I can't wait to read that story. And, and, and that is like kids write about things that are fun and interesting and funny to them. And it, part of, so permission to play, have fun and be silly. And as adults, the more that we can say yes to those ideas. I mean, I have some boundaries, which I can share with you that I always share with students, but as, the, as much as we can say yes with the things that are okay for school, the more production and experimentation and joy we will get out of our, our developing writers. And then later when we're like, okay, we need to harness all this awesomeness and we're gonna need to move it over here into some other content kinds of writing, like how we write in science class. But but we've already felt like writing was fun. We've already felt like writing was something that we could do. And then we come over here and we're like, oh, okay. I can write about, I can write at my chemistry lab now because I I was actually thinking about chemistry on Mars. And we're like, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's a long answer, but it's it's the, it's that fun and that connection to my own interests that are internal to me. I think that's the, that's a key for our developing writers. Well, I think every student will thank you for saying that. <laughs> because, you know, watching again my children develop, a lot of them are like, is it exactly the way it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be expository. It's supposed to be narrative. Do I have the right formula? And the fact that create your own formula. It's okay. Like I, so thank you for that advice for parents yeah. from you. Yeah. Do you have any resources that maybe you could share with us today that we as parents and maybe teachers also could use to help motivate our writers? Yeah, I brought some books with me and then I think we'll get like a fancier look at them later. But um, part of the trick is that people think that writing doesn't really develop as a skill until people are adults. So 95% of the resources for learning how to write fiction specifically are written for adults. So I brought four that I have that are for not for adults. And I'm going to start with one that's been around a long time, which I know you can find in the library. So this is called Writing Magic by Gail Carson Levine. You might know her because she wrote Ella Enchanted, which was either a Newbery Honor book or won the Newbery Award. And it was also made into a film. What's really cool about this book, call it written for like third through fifth, third through sixth she'll talk about an idea and at the end of almost every chapter she'll invite the student the reader to try something and she'll say have fun and save what you wrote so i always tell my students write down today's date and write down um you know what you know do whatever whatever you're writing because i need you to keep all of your writer's notebooks because someday when you're famous and your writing is in the smithsonian we need to know what you are writing today um, and so, and so, this is the first one I recommend for families. It's just, it's so friendly. And Gail Carson Levine is a, is a, I think a, a real expert, right? The partner book to that is actually written by a local author, but for teens. So this is by Victoria Hanley, and it's called "Seize the Story." Here's Victoria's name. It's also been around for a while. Same idea. So we'll have an activity, and then, or we'll have an idea like this is, I think, about dialogue, and then we'll 
then we have some ways to try it. So it lets students kind of, because as we're developing our idea about storytelling, one of the things that happens sometimes is we'll be telling a story and it's not funny to the people we're telling it to, or it's not scary, or it's not whatever it is. And so then we want to know, well, how, how, how does a writer do that? And that's what these books start to answer is they get a little bit deeper into the idea of that craft. The other two things I brought are newer. Um, this one I just found it about, and I was, I think, telling you about it, Erin. So there's this group of people call themselves the Story Pirates, and they're an improv group. So kids can go on their website, can go online and give them ideas, and then they'll improv them out into these really funny stories. But three times they had contests for kids to give us an, an idea for a full novel. So this is one of the novels, and it's in the genre of fantasy. And you can see right here it says, based on an idea by Angie Ortiz. So this is like a little girl who wrote into them with her idea. And then, so here's what's so cool. So they wrote a novel based on this child's idea, but then you can kind of see in the back where the bar is, these are all planning pages to write your own story like this. So, which is really, really cool. So we're all, you know, those of us who are teachers, we never write on anything, but there are actually templates and stuff and things you could kind of scribble around again and to practice the how, to practice the craft, the structure of how do I write a story? I think this is, I think this is fantasy. Um, and then the other thing I brought, which is new this year, this is from an amazing nonprofit called National Novel Writing Month, abbreviated NaNoWriMo, which is November for the uninitiated. Almost everything on their website is free. But if you don't always want to be going back and forth to the website, this book came out this year and it's got the most incredible forward written by Jason Reynolds, the award-winning, um, he writes verse novels and oh, He's such a phenomenal writer. So it's worth it for the Jason Reynolds forward alone. But basically, it just walks you through the process of writing long, what we would call long form fiction. So those are the four pieces that I brought today that are all really age appropriate for, for kids in grades three through eight for our high school students. Certainly, the stuff in NaNoWriMo will get them started. And then I will just give you one other name. Um, there's a man who is a literary agent, an author and a teacher, and his name is Donald, um, D-O-N-A-L-D, and his last name is Moss, and it's M-A-A-S-S. -S. And he's written multiple books on the craft of writing fiction that I think are really appropriate for our high school students. The reason I wouldn't recommend them for younger students is some of the mentor texts he, use, he uses are books that are for adults, like Mystic River. So I wouldn't wanna have to explain the plot of Mystic River to a nine-year-old, but but you make that decision as a parent. You know, what you every, parent has different rules and sort of um, frames for how they're, you know, what they have in their home in terms of novels or fiction. And Donald Moss is generally pretty good, but you that way you can kind of pick and choose. Jennifer, what a great list. I, I wrote down a couple that okay. I'm going to try and go pick up myself, but yeah. there also there's a list of those for our listeners because that was beautiful. Thank you. Good, of course. Sharing your expertise with us. <laughs> I'm wondering, Jennifer, your, your passion your accomplishment in this area, I think is really gonna be inspiring to not just kids, but maybe to some of the adult listeners who have a secret uh, <laughs> dream of writing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, how did you get into this? How did it begin? I was teaching at Crestville Middle School and my students, uh, I taught seventh and eighth grade at the same time. Like I, I was a looping teacher, so I would have students for two years. And my students would always talk to me about what they were reading. And I was distraught 
in a way by the, some of them shifting so quickly into books written for adults because sometimes they would be like have you read la 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 and i was like i have but i can't talk to you about it because it's really not okay for school and that felt that felt bad right um so i thought well darn and one of the things that actually beverly cleary said if you all know remember beverly cleary she says if you don't see the book on the shelves then you must write it and so i thought I was thinking about that in my head and I was writing with my students and then my job changed. So I left the classroom and it became um, what back then was a building resource teacher or what we would call now our professional learning specialist. And I supported all the gifted and talented teachers in the district. So I supported like 88 teachers, but I wasn't teaching my own class. What I know now, and you all probably listening are like, well, duh. But sometimes I have like these blinding flashes of the obvious that are kind of embarrassing that I just figured it out. But anyway, so what I just figured out that year was that teaching is a powerfully creative act. And coaching is different. It's not that it's not creative, but it's different. And I needed to create. So I was sitting around like <laughs> almost like a wellness check. Like, what's wrong with me? Something's not right. And I have this dear friend who's like a yoga instructor and he does some really cool work with mindfulness-based stress reduction in veterans. Um, but he said, have you read this book, The Artist's Way? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, you should check it out. But but I wasn't, I was like not sure. So I like bought a used copy. That's a true story because I didn't want to commit to like a brand new copy in case I hated it. So I bought a used copy. And one of the things The Artist's Way, um, Julia Cameron is the author, has you do, is do this thing called morning pages. So you get up in the morning and you just brain dump. Here's the other cheat that I did, and I've told this story so everyone knows, is I was like, five pages, that's a lot, I'm busy. So I bought like a tiny notebook, like seriously, like half the size of this to cheat my five pages. And I wrote in cursive because in the classroom when I was writing with students, I didn't want them to read over my shoulder and be able to know what I was writing. So I, I developed this really loopy, ugly cursive. So I'm writing sloppy cursive in this little notebook, but it worked. So every morning I got up and I wrote my five pages and I felt a little bit better. And after about five months, I woke up and instead of writing what I had been writing, I wrote this dream that I had. And the dream was about this teenager who was coming back from like the front of, of, of a battle. And, I, and, I, and it wasn't related to anything I'd been reading or viewing. And that dream became the first chapter of my first novel. So basically what happened was I wrote every day. I got in the habit. Then I woke up and wrote something that wasn't about like my cat or my job or anything. It was something completely from my imagination. And then every day afterward, I got up and I kept writing that story. Um, because what Stephen King says in his book on writing, which for the adults listening is phenomenal. Um, he says he doesn't plan, if you guys didn't know that. By the way, let's just not, can I, you, just, you will be appalled at how many writers don't plan. I'm going to go with over 60%. And people who are on the shelves of King Supers like now, right now, like big names. So Stephen King does not plan. He gets up every morning. He reads what he wrote the day before, and he looks for the next part of the story. And I was like, well, it's good enough for Stephen King. It's good enough for me. <laughs> and so that's how I wrote my first book. Every morning at the kitchen table on paper, not typing. Um, and I kept it a secret because writing a novel in, in some ways is like worse than telling people that you're on a diet because they're, everyone's going to ask. They're going to be like, hey, how's the movie going? Or how's that novel? And you want to be like, no, no. 
So I didn't even talk about it until it was done. Um, two years later, kids always ask, like, how long does it take to write a book? Now it takes about six months. But back then, it took two years because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't plan anything. And I was just like, la, 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 you know, this is my secret time in the kitchen. You know? <laughs> so that's how I got started. So I really was doing what I was telling you. I was playing. It was for myself. I just wanted to see what would happen. But I was thinking about, would this be a book that would occupy that space for that really bright, capable reader between when they leave the books that they that people tell them are for them and go to adults that was that was really the that was really how it happened so i know it's a little bit of a long story but that is <laughs> it's a it's, it's a well-told story it's a great story <laughs> that bathrobe got a lot of got a lot of miles <laughs> <laughs> jennifer thank you so much for joining us today you have inspired mm. us and i'm sure our listeners and how wonderful that you can go model your art in front of teachers and share it with students in your role here. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Make sure you check out our resources can you, so you can see a list of the amazing books that were presented today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful opportunity. I appreciate it.